We are back after a very extended absence, an unfortunate extended absence. Um, games are, of course, canceled because of the unfortunate passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Um, and it, we have we have a lot of content to cut. We the first thing we're going to talk about today is the Thomas Tuchel firing. Like we that happened over two weeks ago. Yeah, but we have not covered ago. it yet. Yeah, we have not covered it yet, so we we have to cover it. And we were gonna do, you know, the typical funeral like uh, eulogy for Thomas Tuchel, but it seemed a little tasteless in a time like this. So we're just doing a normal eulogy for Thomas Tuchel. We're gonna talk about his tenure a little bit, but again, similar to the Scott Parker one, just even more so than the Scott Parker Parker one, just very premature. Yeah, I mean. You have to consider the fact that they gave Thomas Tuchel nearly three hundred million to spend this summer, like somewhere in like a high two hundred mil range to spend on a completely new defense. Completely, Wesley Fofana, Mark Cucurella playing in that back three. I mean, he only played with the his reunion with the Aubameyang only lasted fifty nine minutes in that uh yeah in that loss away at uh. What was it Zagreb? I believe. Yeah, Zagreb. Um, this is—he didn't even start off the season that poorly. Like he just didn't start off well. I mean, they were in—they were in sixth, I think, when either like sixth or seventh mm-hmm. when Tuchel got fired. Obviously, the performances weren't great, but you give the man—if they hadn't given Tuchel any backing in the transfer window, I'd say okay, like he had one foot in the grave. But they gave mm-hmm. him all that money. And you don't give a manager two hundred over two hundred fifty million to spend if you don't think that he's the manager who can put those pieces together. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense, and especially since he had so much success as Chelsea manager, he took them to numerous finals: two FA Cup finals, Champions League final, which they won, a League Cup final. I mean, obviously he lost most of those finals except for the mm-hmm. Champions League one. But he was such a successful manager for them. And the fact that, I mean, again, same for Scott Parker. Scott Parker is the one who brought Bournemouth back to the promised land. And the fact that they gave him no time whatsoever, zero slack. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing you could say is that it's Chelsea and they have a history of this. I mean, you said it in the uh, yep. in the podcast way back when, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. And I'm sure you are relishing the opportunity to take your plaudits so i'll give you that opportunity now i think you talked about it earlier that it kind of you know evens out the early holland prediction a little I bit i don't know about even but you know <laughs> i would say i don't know you you too, really too needed cool. you really needed this for i did I for, did for your legitimacy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i completely agree like chelsea are quick to pull the trigger but even for their standards it seems just a little bit unorthodox i couldn't really find a single voice on twitter that agreed with this one it was kind of just like wait a second we liked him we like this guy like <laughs> it's very rare what? that yeah uh that the ownership beats twitter to getting the manager <laughs> out usually the two call out uh hashtags are 
very well circulated through Twitter before they actually get around to firing him. It's very rare that is that. true. This is this. <laughs> I feel like only Chelsea would even have that yeah. capacity. You know, think about how many <laughs> like Wenger out, Emery out tweets Arsenal. Yeah. And, uh, Arsenal Somehow the Chelsea the burner <laughs> accounts were beaten out by Todd Bowley. Yeah. The fucking odds of that. Yeah. Again, new new ownership too. Like you think. Yeah. He may want to not cause too much like drama in his first like full season, as you know the owner of Chelsea. You know, give a little bit more, you know, control over to the manager. Have a bit more faith in his manager yeah. since he's so new to this. But he took that right out of the Roman Abramovich handbook. So mm-hmm. another hot topic of the last two weeks off the pitch was again I, I mentioned Todd Bowley, so we'll bring it up again. That that interview that uh, Todd Bowley had oh, where yeah. he mentioned things they could take from the um, the American sports leagues, and I'm I'm interested to hear your take on it because I heard some very polarized takes on Twitter and on social media about this. I'm interested to hear your take on the on the on what he said. Well, about the uh, about the All Star game, about possibly. the All Star game, about like what they can take from American sports. Yeah. Um, maybe I could see it in. Far down the line, but not right now. I mean, think of the fixture mm-hmm. congestion that these clubs already have at the very top. I mean, these players, it's not like in the US where they only have one competition to worry about. They have to worry mm-hmm. about, you know, again, the players who will be playing in supposed like all star games, they could be playing in three, four competitions by the time this happens. And mm-hmm. I mean, fans already hate international break. Who says they're going to? love an additional break from club soccer so i think it would happen during the like after the season like end of may type thing in between international competition and the like the champions league final probably kind of like a pro bowl type deal possibly but i think besides just the i mean i could comment about whether it actually be feasible but i think the real thing that we should talk about is the fact that todd bowley again like he's a new owner Mm-hmm. you know in the premier league for chelsea he probably wants to endear himself to the chelsea fans he wants to you know have a good look for himself in their view and the worst possible thing you can do <laughs> is look extremely american <laughs> i guess yeah and I, I yeah go ahead and i just can't see how Todd Bowley would want to project you know his more american views so early on in his tenure it's not well it's not a way to endear himself to english fans he'd be the first multi-billionaire without an ego ethan so let's not let's not pretend like these guys are don't think that their way is is the best way and it's tough not to believe that when you have millions to your name but i i don't the reasons that he gave for the all-star game were like the revenue, it, the revenue for the MLB All Star Game, the revenue for even the Pro Bowl, which doesn't really get a ton of, um, a ton of viewership as compared to regular NFL games. Um, like it's a revenue builder for the league. It it allows the league to grow. It it's just a it's one more thing that they can put under their belt when it comes to you know a cash flow, a form of cash flow, and. With all the struggles that the footballing pyramid has undergone since the COVID pandemic 
and that's been comp- you know publicized you know everyone knows that um everyone every league besides the premier league in england had to like really really struggle and to survive mm-hmm. in the last couple of years and i can't really imagine why anyone at in the premier league in the fa would kind of poo poo an idea like this uh and a, a, a one game uh like one game at wembley stadium end of may like 20 20 players aside the best 20 northern players versus the best 20 southern players every player plays 15 to 20 minutes it's not like it, it these things happen all the time ronaldinho had a uh had like a charity match before preseason in miami millie tau was there i think marcella was there like uh vinicius jr was there like these things happen it, mm-hmm. it's really it's not like a like oh you don't want to have the player's legs burned by by 15 minutes in an all-star game for charity like i i honestly think it's really ignorant and i saw this one clip on twitter um it was in the post game i think it was wednesday of the ucl matches with uh Henri Carragher and Micah Richards um and they kind of just like completely trashed this idea and said that it was like oh it's this, he, he can't come here and try to like manipulate our system like blah 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 I'm like that is so ignorant the footballing pyramid is like crumbling below the Premier League and they're going to seriously like turn away an idea a, a a small change you can make like tiny and it's the benefits are insane especially financially well the question and is does gonna, it trickle down to the leagues below that that's what it's for like the god knows the premier league makes enough money well it's a premier it, it league be, all-star game what is the premier league yeah. just gonna do uh is, the is premier this league essentially is part of the a charity FA. match for the lower the premier league is part of yes the premier league is part of the fa well yeah i'm, like, I'm aware of every that, but. every dollar of premier league revenue doesn't go to the premier league it goes to the fa and they redistribute it it would be this, the same thing and that's the point that todd bully made and you know todd bully he's not a perfect human well god knows he just fired thomas Tuchel. but like i didn't really see anything wrong with the points he made now soccer is a very purist sport it took them 15 years too long to implement var um which i think obviously in england it's made it the game worse but everywhere else i don't think it's been an yeah. issue um like this technology's been around since like 2002 and they decided to implement it in 2018 like it's it's a pure sport and they need to like start the plant the seed early in order for the purists to come around to it in like 15 years and, and i don't think it's an issue but that's just my take on it i it's in what i really think is going to happen is they're the guys at the top are too purist and too stubborn yeah, it's a cultural and they're not gonna issue. let it happen yeah yeah um especially because an american came in and said it yeah um but anyway that, that's my take on it. i just wanted to say clear that out because you know it was a, it was a big talking point mm-hmm. um with the premier league matches postponed but the premier league matches resumed this weekend starting off with aston villa one southampton nil jacob ramsey with the only goal Liver- uh liverpool uh aston villa cleaning up all three points a rare win for them this season um but they got the job done at home and three points to three points i guess yeah i mean villa were an underperforming side coming into this game i mean i think what they only had four points from six i believe yeah 
before this, and they're still only 15th in the table. And they're playing against a Southampton team that was arguably overperforming. There were a couple <laughs> yeah. of games where, you know, they made some pretty nice comebacks, one against Leicester. I mean, that by the week, that's looking less and less impressive. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. In a we'll get to that. But it seemed like this is definitely a very winnable game for Villa, and it was one that Gerard definitely needed when, you know, considering that he had dug himself a bit of a hole in the first, you know, three, four games of the season, and the fact that because of last week's games getting postponed, he missed out on the crucial opportunity to play Leicester right now. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and he must be feeling that one. So he's slowly digging himself out of, you know, this hole and so is Villa. Villa, as we said before in our Premier League predictions, we're expecting them to be a top half side. And they definitely mm-hmm. have that quality. So, I mean, there's just a step in the right direction for Villa. Yeah. I, I didn't uh admittedly I didn't watch uh too much of this game, but it it seems like kind of a snooze fest where like eventually at eventually quality won. Um but Southampton definitely have all the intangibles going their way. They had that huge win against um, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, I believe, which was, you know, kind of the trademark of their season so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were hard. It wasn't at Stamford Bridge. but Southampton, either way. Yeah, um, big win for them. But, yeah, Gerard, I, I still really don't believe that he's the, he's the guy. I said before the season that it would really hinge on him. They clearly have the talent. Um, and it, you know, hinges on whether Steven Gerrard can, can get the most out of it. I, he hasn't thus far. And I don't know, you know, some, some managers are just not cut out to be managers. And I said the same thing about Frank Lampard and I don't think I've been necessarily proven wrong yet. And I think Steven Gerrard is very similar. Um, if I had to make a prediction right now, I'd say this form probably continues for five to 10 games and then they find a new manager. If I'm being honest, because I don't really see this turning around for them. I, I'd, I'd like to see Steven Gerrard. You know, Steven Gerrard's an icon. I'd love to see him be one of those top performing managers in the league. But honestly, I, I've watched him play. It doesn't really look too impressive for me unless he can do something drastic. He could be gone by January. But I don't know. How do you feel about that? No, I still really do believe in Steven Gerrard, at least mm-hmm. in a villa at a club where he's getting a lot of financial backing i mean villa have spent a lot over the past couple seasons and they do have really good squad quality and just based on the fact that he was so good at at uh rangers uh you know he was able to turn the tide in you know the scottish premiership win rangers the title unbeaten i believe so clearly he's proven himself the Premier League is a different animal, but he definitely deserves the benefit of the doubt, especially as a Premier League legend. Mm-hmm. God knows Lampard's getting that, uh, <laughs> getting that uh, leniency. Out yeah, of yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, Nottingham Forest two, Fulham three, a five-goal thriller. Uh, that sees Fulham pick up another three points this season. Uh, Forrest taking an early lead in the 11th minute and then Fulham score, scoring three in six minutes to make it 3-1. Forrest would get a goal back, but Fulham would be the one taking all three. Uh, Fulham looking very impressive again. I know Nottingham Forest is probably relegation fodder, but, you know, in a five-goal game where, like, anything can happen away from home, I I'm loving this resiliency from Fulham. 
again, I'm not one who's quick to pull the trigger on any team, but Fulham really do look comfortable in the Premier League. Even the games in which they've lost, I think they've only lost two on the season, I believe. I'm looking at Taylor right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, they have two losses, and both of them were away in North London to mm-hmm. first place Arsenal and third place Tottenham. Both one goal tight losses. I mean, mm-hmm. Arsenal, you could say they were almost fortunate to take yeah. all three points, even though they may have outplayed them. You know, it's a bit of a scrappy goal. But that's neither yeah. here nor there. Fulham, they have looked really good. And the fact that they were able to score three without Mitrovic contributing is another good sign that they don't necessarily yeah. rely on his goals, even though his goals have been a big, big boost for them. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, Fulham look in a poised position to break the annual Norwich Fulham <laughs> switch. I don't know. Not good for Norwich because I don't know if they can come up if they don't get that exchange. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's like magnets where I don't think that's a good analogy, but basically I don't know what's going to happen if I don't think they can be in the same league together. It yeah. has to break some sort of space time continuum <laughs> rule of physics, but Fulham right now are looking very good and Nottingham Forest look like they have a squad of 21 completely new players which they spent 150 million on which they did and they play they're playing right now like they have no idea who each other is I think they look like a pickup team yeah I think Steve Cooper needs to take them on like a camp trip or something just to bond or whatever (laughs) yeah I don't know. Yeah, I, I I agree. Like before the season, I'm like, I this is if they're relying on Jesse Lingard to kind of like be the glue for this offense, they're going to struggle. And right now, they're sitting 19th, next to West Ham and Leicester. So I kind of this is kind of expected. I it's almost impossible to have like a team that performed really well last season, you know, was good enough to get promoted, and then like kind of shake everything up in the Premier League like we've seen that so often where the teams that try to overspend to ensure their survival often it backfires and this is kind of just a classic case of that um there's still obviously seven games up to the season there's still obviously time to turn it around but I have them coming dead last and right now it kind of seems like that might be their destiny at the moment with Bournemouth and sitting in 12th so I don't know it's certainly it's objective that they have something to figure out there, but uh doesn't look like they're gonna figure it out anytime soon. Wolves nil, Manchester City three. Grealish gets on the board. How how shit must you be Grealish scored against <laughs> you? Uh he broke his goal drought. Holland broke his fifteen minute goal drought in the sixteenth minute. <laughs> Nathan Collins decided not to play soccer anymore and left the game for a ridiculous red card on Jack Grealish, leaving them down to 10 men. And when you're down two goals and down to 10 men against Man City, I mean, that's kind of a nail in the coffin. 3-0 was the final, another three points for City. They sit second, only behind Arsenal. And not much to say about this game, just kind of expected. This is... It's business as usual. Holland scores, De Bruyne assists, City look comfortable, 3-0 win. 
I don't know how much commentary you want on this. Holland keeps scoring. Like, I don't think that's going to change. He's scoring. I mean, he scored from outside the box. That's new. That's news, I guess. <laughs> that's yeah. actually big news. I, I can't remember the last one that wasn't two touches. the six-yard box. Yeah. Yeah, he actually yeah. had involvement in, like, genuine involvement in the buildup of the... Uh, of the yeah. third goal. Yeah, might, nice might just pass. fuck around and yeah. contribute to the offense other than the, the final touch. Dude's bore the scoring goals. He's got, he's got to do something <laughs> else. Uh, yeah. I mean, little again, little to say. Wolves haven't been, like, impressive enough to say they might stun here. Mm-hmm. Um, They sit 18th in the league. So, this was kind of just an expected result. Man City went away to Molyneux, got the job done. Newcastle won, Bournemouth won. Philip Billing opens the scoring for Bournemouth. I love Philip Billing. Like he's he's just like we're six six center mid, like like the Kevin Durant of center mid, you know? <laughs> just like slim slim reaper of center mid, and he's been there forever. Yeah, he's been there since like 2015. God bless him. Anyway, he opens the scoring for Bournemouth in the 62nd minute, and and five minutes later they concede a penalty. Alexander Isaac. Puts that away. He's been pretty good recently. Yeah. Um, really points are shared. Time. Points are shared at St. James. Newcastle try to rally after the penalty, but um, in the end, unsuccessful. Points are shared. Big points for Bournemouth, who, you know, mission survival for them always has been. Um, but Newcastle, you know, they've been, they've performed well this season, but they're sitting 10th in the table. And I've I think they've played like a top six team, but they haven't gotten the results. Like they've played really well against City. They I think the loss of Alan Monkmont probably derailed their attack more than they would like, but Yeah. I think they've played so much better than tenth and they're sitting in tenth. Form firmly in tenth. Yeah, it's, I mean four draws in their last five. They just haven't been yeah. able to get over the hurdle, essentially. And these, you know, last couple of games so i mean obviously the performances are there the loss of st maximine is big but isak has kind of come in with the loss of uh st maximine and once they're both on the field together you're going to be seeing a lot more production from the front line so a lot to be hopeful for for newcastle fans definitely yeah spurs six leicester two an eight goal thriller uh, courtesy of a really pissed off Youngman son yeah. for getting benched. Uh, rightly so, by the way. I I watched a, a lot of Spurs matches. My roommate's a Spurs fan, so I, I watched a lot of the Spurs games. He's looked like a very average left wing for all games besides this one. And, you know, Kulishevsky has been good. Richarlison has obviously been good. Like, this was this, this was a, a, a right... A, just benching, I would say. Um, obviously, he came on and scored a second half hat trick, a natural one. Um, but like this was this was not completely unfair of of Conte to bench Son. But Spurs opened the scoring, ended up being two two at half, and then Youngman Son came on. Well, the third goal was bent on core, and then Youngman Son came on, scored four five and six, finishes six two. Leicester wins on possession as I feel like I need to mention every week when Spurs win a game because it kind of just boggles my mind how they do so well without winning possession. Um, it's so but, impressive how 
they lose on possession to the worst team in the league right now. By far the worst team yeah. in the league right now. It's um yeah. But yeah. I mean they looked fly. okay and Leicester mm-hmm. looked okay and we can and uh, you know Spurs look good that's fine we can stop talking about Spurs. Like it's time to talk about Leicester. Dead last and like not just dead last. They have one point and Forest in 19th has four. They could win the next game and still be a dead last. Like they are this is this is all of a sudden becoming like mission survival for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously they have the talent to like just win three games in a row and get out of there, but they do they? Like they just look like shit and lose every week. It and last season we talked about it a little bit how they just looked bang average and looked uninspired and even though they like had they won possession in a lot of their games and generated chances Every game was a draw against the poor team or a loss against the poor team or just a poor showing. And it's just, it's that again. And they're just getting punished for it this year. They're not getting lucky enough to, to get wins. And it's, I feel like it's only a matter of time for Brendan Rodgers. I don't, didn't think I'd say that. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the other managers that have been fired this season, yeah. it's hard to believe that Brendan Rodgers has managed to keep his job. And, but I imagine he's shaking in his boots seeing... Tuchel and Parker already being sacked. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm a bit I'm a bit surprised he hasn't been sacked already. I think he, that isn't to say that I think he deserves to be sacked right now. I think give him a couple more games, but just based on how you know quick to pull the trigger these Premier League owners and clubs have become in the past you know couple of years, it's really surprising to me that Brendan Rodgers is still on the job because. Leicester just really have not shown a lot in terms of just desire, grit. Like, obviously, they have a lot of quality in that team. I said they finished seventh, with it, which is not looking really good right now. But yeah. they still have the quality in that team to finish seventh. It's just that there's no sort of, there's not an X factor, really, other than James Madison, who's been the lone performer in this team. But defensively... It's shambolic. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Danny Ward is leaking goals left, right, and center. He's looked awful. Yeah, I mean, he's been the butt of a lot of the jokes on Twitter of uh, yeah. for Leicester City. And clearly they're missing Fafana a lot. Even though, even when Fafana was playing, they were still leaking goals. But yeah, I mean, there's not much to say other than the fact that Leicester is really, really struggling right now. And it's not... And not the type of struggling that you can just write off as, you know, early season form. Like, there is genuine things that need to turn around for this club. Yeah. Uh, and I feel for, I mean, I, I feel for Leicester City fans because they, I, the quality of the team does not reflect the quality of the performances. Often that means that the manager is the problem. And I feel like they could be one manager away from kind of a bounce and back into mid-table. But I don't think they deserve these type of performances, to be honest. No. Brentford nil, Arsenal three. A very, very, very comfortable win for the Gunners at 7 a.m. in the morning. Uh, Without their captain, Martin Odegaard, an arguably best player. Uh, But the main talking point of this game was not the fact that William Saliba has the same amount of goals as Mohamed Salah. (laughs) was not how comfortable this was for Arsenal and the fact that they really didn't give up uh, a sliver of a chance for 90 minutes. The talk of the game was man of the match, Granit Xhaka. 
because he was truly flawless in this game. It was, <clears throat> and every time he he plays well, the Arsenal community kind of comes out and says like, "Oh, look how far he's come." But I feel like this one, this one kind of, especially with his new role as like a, a an attacking eight rather than a a pure six. It's the if you you feel like this one kind of meant a little bit more. Yeah, I I have to hold my hands up and say that I was dead wrong because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said for many, many weeks, you know, before the season, you know, even in the early weeks of the season, the back end of last season, you know, during which Jaka has played this more advanced role, I've said, listen, Jaka's improved, but he does not have the offensive capabilities to play in this role. And so far this season, I've been dead wrong because he's been absolutely producing in that advanced role. He is adding a new dimension to this attack. He is flawlessly slipping into this role. I mean, that was that ball to Jesus was inch inch perfect. Yeah. Already has two three assists on the season and a goal to boot. So I have to hold my hands up. I've been I've been very harsh on Jaka. I give him his praise when, you know, credit is due and all credit is due to Grant Jaka right now. I agree. It's yeah, and he's a player that I, for many seasons, said was not good enough to play at Arsenal Football Club. Like many other Arsenal fans, back in the, um, the back end of Unai Emery's tenure, he was just so mistake prone, and he just looked lost and both tactically and technically lost. He'd come up with that one screamer a year where you're kind of like, ah, look at him, but like. He was, he it 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 was clear that he needed to be replaced for a long time, and this season, Arteta figured something out with him. Whether it was his mentality the whole time, which it could have been, he's he's a very passionate, emotional player, and when Arsenal fans got on his back that season, it just killed him, killed his morale, and he's a very emotional guy. And now that the Arsenal fans are behind him, it's changed him. Whether that's or it's um, obviously a result of his his better play, but um he doesn't have to play that six anymore. He can get forward. He he reminds me a little bit of that Jordan Henderson role that he took up in their title winning season, where like for his entire Liverpool career he was kind of that six, and he moved up into this eight position, and all of a sudden he pulled like nine assists that season. Yeah, and he like linked really well with Trent. Like that it reminds me a lot of that because I. I had never thought that Henderson would have any offensive value to any team. And all of a sudden, Klopp puts him in this role where he has a little more creativity and it unlocks a lot of the offense. It, it almost seems identical to that with Granajaka, but credit to Arteta, as I've said a lot this season. But next up for Arsenal at the international break, the big one, North London Derby at home. Uh, we'll get to this prediction at a at a later podcast, but this one, you know, I feel like last year we said, "Oh, this is the biggest North London derby of all time," but this one feels like, you know, the gut check a little bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's really early in the season, but mm-hmm. you know how, in terms of bragging rights, it's mm-hmm. way way up there. Arsenal first, Spurs in third, like separated by one point. Yeah. 
this is this is as good as it gets. Yeah. As tasty as it gets when it comes to a fixture. Um but we move on. Everton won West Ham nil, the lone goal coming from Neil Mope in the fifty third minute. Everton pick up a rare three points. West Ham continue their poor form. I mean, it's this one a one goal this game deserve kind of deserves to be decided by one goal. Like they kind of see Everton playing fine this season. I mean, like, okay, this season. Very emotional this season. Their attack's been led by some pretty young players, Aaron Gordon, Demari Gray, um, and West Ham with arguably I mean not arguably, objectively more talent, just playing down to Everton's level. Everton get the best of them. That's kind of just how I saw this one. Yeah, well, Everton are actually undefeated in their last five. I mean, the previous four results were draws before the win, but still undefeated in their last five. Yeah. So, again, their performances, similar in Newcastle, their performances have been, you know, lacking the edge they need to, you know, take all three points. But it's definitely, for as a morale booster, you know, getting that first win of the season is crucial for Lampard's men. And like you said, it's such a young team that will use that confidence where they play more emotionally than maybe a more experienced team might. You know, it's so much more important for young players to have that confidence of, you know, wins, results, performances. So I'd say it's definitely a more important win for Everton than it would have been had West Ham won. Because mm-hmm. I think Everton could genuinely find themselves in a relegation battle again. Because they are they don't have a lot of squad quality. They have some nice young players, but overall, their squad mm-hmm. quality is lacking. And yep. even though West Ham do actually find themselves in the relegation zone, I don't think they're in any danger of finishing that far below. Certainly not at this point in the season. No, definitely not. However, you know, their ambitions are high. You know... West Ham has a new standard, you know, at their club. So they're definitely going to need to turn those results around sooner rather than later. And that rounds out the kind of 0.75 of a game week that we got yeah. this weekend. Again, a lot of the couple of games canceled due to, I believe, lack of police resources um, or just general, you know, Queen morning period happenings either way uh we were only treated to seven games or so this weekend so that's all we had to cover and to close out in honor of her majesty queen elizabeth we have got another rendition of irrelevant 11s and this week it's royal 11s any king queen prince or princess real or fake video game character, TV character, a nickname, uh, the king of something, king this, all fair game. I actually used some outside references for this one. My roommates got into it too. I, uh, I got, I had some, some, some references, some suggestions right. for the team, but do you want to start us off, Ethan? Sure. Do you want here? I'll leave the manager for last, but I'll start from the back. Um, so in goal, I have a pretty, a pretty straightforward pick. Uh, the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Um, he is in fact a prince who just a got prince. turned into a beast. But 
you know, beast by name, beast by nature. He's just absolutely massive. He's going to fill that goal. You know, Fraser Forster of goalkeepers. He's big. That's pretty much the logic behind that one. So for the two center backs, uh, first one is Alexander the Great. Even though King is not in his name, he was a king, not just, you know, a warrior. Obviously, you know, he conquered a lot of ground and, you know, this dude did not lose a battle. You want your center backs to be able to win all their 50-50s, all their aerial duels. And Alexander the Great will definitely win all of his battles so your defense is in safe hands. And then my second center back is King Triton from uh, The Little Mermaid. He he is the king of the sea, and he is built like a tall Adama Traore, just absolutely <laughs> massive individual. You know, he's the king of the sea, so obviously he'll have, you know, the command of a back line. So, very solid pick at center back. And then, at left back, I have uh, Tiana, who is the princess from Princess and the Frog. And you want mm-hmm. your... Fullbacks to be, you know, versatile, adaptable. You know, like Alexander Zinchenko, he can play left back. He can also slide to center mid. You know, he's very versatile, adaptable. And, you know, I mean, she can turn into a frog and then back into a princess. Nothing more versatile than that. Yeah, absolutely. Just peak versatility there. You can use her in any position. But right now, she's slotting at right back, left back, sorry. Now, my right back is Moana, and as per usual, I'm picking a fullback who covers a lot of ground. And Moana, you know, she's very much an attacking fullback, you know, who strays Mm. far from, you know, home a lot. She likes to travel. Mm. So, kind of like Alexander Arnold, you know, not doing too much, not as much defending (laughs) as attacking, you know. Mm. So, she is rounding out this defense. And then I've gone for a 4 3 3, starting with my number six, which is Snow White. And, you know, I have her there because she's just a hard worker, you know? She has really good chemistry and communication with, uh, you know, animals. She can talk to animals, so she'll have really good communication skills, you know, which is good for uh, a pivot in the midfield. And, you know, hard worker, she'll get in on challenges. She'll run around a lot. She'll do very well there. And then at my eight, I have Rapunzel. And, you know, you want your center mid to be able to get out of tricky situations, you know, out of pressure. And Rapunzel was able to get herself out of a tight castle. Um, (laughs) That's all I remember about the movie is that she was in, like, a really tall castle and used her hair to climb out of there. So she is my pick at center mid. And then for my cam, my number 10, I have Aladdin. And Aladdin, I think, could fit into a number of positions, but I just want him in this 11 because you always want players, especially a center attacking mid, who bring out the best in their teammates. And Aladdin not only showed Jasmine, you know, showed him, showed her the world, as the, you know, mm. famous song goes, and, you know, freed her from the confines of, you know, life as a princess, but he also freed the genie, too, with his third wish, I think. Mm. So, you know, he's always, he's a number 10 who, you know, can double his striker's goal tally. Like, he really, you know, he's a real provider. He makes everyone around him better, and that's who you want, you know, commanding that midfield. So, now getting on to, you know, the front three, starting with my left wing, Mulan. And as a winger, you have to be willing to take guys on, and Mulan is certainly willing to take people on. She impersonated her father and fought in the Chinese army. 
in that movie. I had to do a bit of research because, to be honest, I wasn't sure what Mulan was about before. But <laughs> clearly, she's very willing. <laughs> she's very willing to take guys on, not afraid to attack. So she is coming in off the left. And my right wing is King Tut. You know, so we're going Ooh. with a real life example for this one. And I think King Tut was just one of those young wingers that was way too overhyped, young in their career, and didn't really amount to as much as people thought. I mean, he came to the throne at age nine, pretty young. Uh, <laughs> that was more of like an Arsene Wenger uh, scouting uh, type beat there. And he really didn't do that much for the betterment of Egypt. People really hyped him up at age nine. It was probably just too soon for him. The pressure got to him. Bit of a Freddy Adu, you know, type situation there. Yeah. And, you know, it's just another case of wasted talent because he was dead by 18. So, <laughs> yeah, rough one for him. Brutal. Gavi's career is just getting started at 18. King Tut is already <laughs> coming on. <laughs> and then at striker, you know, for me, this is a very simple pick, and it's Merida from Brave. And, you know, she's mm-hmm. an archer, so, you know, she's a sharpshooter. She can hit the target. Yeah, don't you don't need to remind me. Yeah. I use that in my uh, in a different uh, reference. Oh yes, I remember now. And so that rounds out the eleven. But now I can get on to my manager, and you know the most relevant pick of all. My manager is none other than Queen Elizabeth herself, Oof. because you know she's the Arsene Wenger of royalty. I mean, <laughs> you know she did a great job. You know when she was at the peak of her powers you know she's been around forever and she you know she's doing a lot for the early years but i think arson Wenger and queen elizabeth have that kind of similarity towards the end of their reigns where towards the back end people were kind of just waiting around surprised that they hadn't gone yet <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> so Could've i said think, it better than that so i think it was a. Uh, lot of similarities between those two so she was a clear pick for the manager and that rounds out my picks all right i like it but i'll get into mine all right leave the let me leave the manager for last all right in goal king Didi, famously of super smash brothers and the you know mm-hmm. general video game universe just a classic Sunday league keeper. Big boy. Covers a lot of the goal. Yeah. Could you go around him on a breakaway? Sure. Mm-hmm. But quick reactions. He's got the mallet. He's he's quick to come out and punch in the yeah. box on the uh <laughs> on the crosses. He's my guy in goal. At left back. Black Panther, aka King Chichala. Super, super athletic left back, thinking like an Alfonso Davies here, who's also super athletic, just quick as hell, great 1v1, decent 1v1, (laughs) if you've seen the Black Panther movie, Yeah, (laughs) but just fantastic going forward, elusive as hell, just fantastic athletic left back. At center back, I've also gone King Triton. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten the SpongeBob version of King Triton. Oh, see, I, I, wanted, I was thinking about. <laughs> I wanted that yeah. super bald yeah. head to get those those first balls out mm-hmm. in the box. Um, second center back, Princess Fiona from Shrek. Just uh. a brutish <laughs> figure, ruthless. Just King Triton and Fiona there, 
think like Ben me James Tarkowski first yeah. ball out it's it's going to yeah. be impossible on set pieces you're going to need to play your way through them or else or for Lissandro uh, Martinez player comp you could have chosen uh, Lord Farquaad <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's technically a king, but he is royalty. Yeah, he is royalty. <laughs> At right back, Prince Charming. A little bit of a tr- another Trent reference here. Loves to go forward. Uh-huh. Loves the glory of going forward. Yeah. Doesn't love the backhand stuff. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. But kind of just athletic, as, as usual. You know, handsome, undoubtedly. But likes to lean a lot more on the glory of attack than yeah. the... Than the defending aspect. At CDM, I've also gone for a princess that covers a lot of ground in Moana. Just that N'Golo Conte yeah. player comp. Uh, can get forward to like a Joshua Kimmich-esque player. Just covers a ton of ground. Reliable as hell. Proven. You know, she recovered the stone or whatever. I haven't seen that movie in ages. <laughs> I, but I can't remember go if ahead. that's right. <laughs> She, she got something back and saved the city. I don't know. I think you could say Center that about mid. any Disney movie, but... <laughs> Probably. Center mid. Princess Leia of the Star Wars trilogy. Admittedly, I have only seen two of the Star Wars, two of the Star Wars trilogies, but she seems like a badass. Just a classic eight. Like, can do it all. Jacob Ramsey-esque. Just very talented. Um, reliable, respected Princess Leia. At Cam, my favorite pick. Usually, usually my Cam is my favorite pick. Mm-hmm. Always. I got the Archer Queen from Clash Royale. <laughs> she has never missed a shot in her entire life. <laughs> never. Every time she fires the bow, it connects with her target. She can spray it for ages. And if you play Clash Royale, you know that she's a special power up, or she can go invisible, and then just beam shots at opposing players, at opposing arena targets, mm. whether it's the tower or a barbarian in the general area. She is ruthless. I was thinking about putting her at striker, but I kind of wanted that that long ball aspect. She can spray it out. Yeah. I was thinking about the um the princess too from a uh, Clash Royale. Who can just, who has the longest reach in the entire game? She can spray from her own side. But I'm going with Archer Queen, just a little more quality there. At left wing, it's the Queen of Pop, Madonna. She's just a badass. <laughs> I, I love Madonna, and I put her at left wing. I, I don't even know if she's left, left handed, right handed. She's just, she's a goddess. The Queen of, of Pop, Madonna at left wing. At right wing, Princess Peach. Of the Mario fandom. Also a stud. If you've played any Mario game, you would know Princess Peach is just an absolute all-around stud. I always use her in-game because she just all-around, especially Mario Sports Mix, just gets the job done. Always gets the job done. Always reliable. Princess Peach at right wing. Most solid player comp. Just, you always rely on her to get the goals. And that striker. La Mickey, La Fraud, La Two and La, La Four and Six or whatever, LeBron James, King James, just an absolute stud, one of the greatest athletes of in the history of sport. 
he's my he's my goat. I hate I hate to you know disrupt any MJ fans out there, but he's mm-hmm. he's my goat. I don't know if there's any basketball player better than him. But LeBron James at striker, we always fantasize about. Oh, what if LeBron James would play football? What if he would play baseball? Like, what kind of athlete he would be? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm trusting him. I'm backing my number nine. He's gonna be dunking on Prince Charming at the back post, just like Mitchovich <laughs> would. Just all around stud, strong as hell, athletic as ever. LeBron James is my striker, and at manager, I went for a relatively young manager, inexperienced manager. Uh-huh. I don't know if the board or the fans are going to really agree with this one, but I have my reasons. I've gone with Sleeping Beauty. Mm. For one reason and one reason only. She is fluent in talking to animals. She can, you, you can bring in Spanish players. She knows all the languages. Spanish players, Italian players, French players. She speak in their language. Mm. She's been around the forest. Yeah. <laughs> She's experienced in her own, in her own right. She comes from nothing. I, I probably, because most of the princesses do. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I honestly have not seen <laughs> this movie. I just know this fact. I'm pretty sure she doesn't have a lot. <laughs> none of them do. She's got that, that chip on her shoulder, and she can. She, every player who comes into her squad feels at home because when she's managing, she just. She can, she can yell at you and like bark tactics at you in your native language. There's no language barrier, which is an underrated trait for yeah. a lot of world. I think Arteta languages. speaks like a lot of languages, and that's like a yeah. big asset for him. It's an awesome, awesome thing to have. You know, she's a lot younger than some of the, um, some of the players in this team. You know, King Triton, Madonna, LeBron James, a <laughs> lot younger, but I think she commands that respect when she starts speaking in that native tongue. Mm. So I manager, I'm going with Sleeping Beauty. And that rounds it out. Solid picks in there. There's definitely some solid picks in there. I uh, Archer Queen was the first one in there. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta get a Clash Royale reference in here. But that rounds out the podcast for this week. Again, a little bit of a shorter match week this week. Um, we'll figure out. I got some ideas coming up. We're gonna bounce some ideas off each other for some international break content. Um, get our picks in for the. First week of October, which is going to be the next Premier League match week. But until then, we will sign off. Adios. See ya.